name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the one God, amen. Usually during Lent we have long readings and Bible passages. This is normal. If we don't do it in Lent, then what other Sunday would we do it in? We talk about blindness, which is the story of today. The worst of the three, I think, if you can't speak, you can't hear, is blindness. I think you will agree with me. Especially if you're born blind, so you don't know what colors are. So if you say to the blind person, what is the color red, he won't know. His mind won't understand it. Or he doesn't know what the trees look like, or the flowers. Maybe from the smell he'll know, but he won't know the colors, he won't understand. Or even the facial expressions of the person. When we talk to someone, we usually talk face to face, and you know if that person is upset or reacting from his face or his eyes. But of course, when God takes away something from us, especially the sight or, our, or we can't hear or speak, then God reward, rewards us with something else. So maybe his sense of smell is much stronger than, than normal people. So God usually rewards us this way. Today's readings is a contrast for those who can see and those who cannot see. The irony is those that can see are blind and those who are blind can see. And this morning, I'll speak of four groups of people who can see but are blind. I just want to pinpoint something important during those days, and especially in the Jewish tradition. If you're sick, then you've sinned, automatically. If you are blind, then you've sinned. And if you remember last week's Bible passage of the uh, paralytic who wanted to go into the water. He was, he was 38 years sick, unable to move. When Jesus saw him again, he told him, do not sin, otherwise something greater or something worse will happen to you. So they have this notion that if you're sick, then you've sinned. But with this story today is different. Because we know that God said, Jesus said that it's for God's glory for this man to witness for Christ. So the Jews think themselves perfect. If you're within the temple, if you're Jewish, anyone that's outside who is sick, then he's a sinner. So they don't have a gray area. It's either black or white right or wrong. And Jesus said, I come into the world so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. The first group of people that actually can see and a bit judgmental, believe it or not, was Christ's disciple. When Jesus was going towards the temple, he stopped from far away, looking at the blind person. He's begging, I need, I need help, I need money, because I'm blind. 
And Jesus doesn't react, he doesn't say anything. But who does? The apostles. They say to him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Instead of saying to Jesus, Jesus, you know, can you please heal him? You've been healing everyone. He's been born blind. Obviously, they know he's born blind. Can you please help him? Usually when you're, when you're born blind, obviously, there is no eyes inside, so it's, you can see it. But if you're born and then become blind later on, then your eyes are okay. You can see the eyes, maybe you just from inside it's blind. So they know this person is born blind because there's no eyes there's no eyes originally. And this is why he created eyes for him. Who sinned this man or his parents? Now common sense says how can a person be born blind and sin? How can he sin within his mother's womb? Doesn't make sense. We even say children can't sin. They don't understand what sin is. Maybe until the age of certain ages, seven or eight. Or... So it's common sense. Why would they say that? Again, because it's something Jewish tradition. But concerning the parents, if the parents sin, can that sin go down to the children. We always ask this question. Now it's interesting because there is a, an Old Testament passage in Exodus 20 verse 5 that says this. It says, I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and on the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, this is also, you can see it in Exodus 34, 7, Numbers 14, 8, and Deuteronomy 5, 9. It, it was repeated several times. But here, God mentions those who hate me. He doesn't mention if the parents sinned, then the child is, uh, can suffer for their sin. This is where they get this idea, if his parents sinned. Okay, so it's, it's clear here, but we usually say no. If the parents sins got nothing to do with the children, haram yani. For example, if something bad happens to your children, then you'll say, you'll blame yourself, oh, this is because I sinned or I did this mistake a long time ago. Isn't that right? Or if something bad happens to yourself in the future and you say, oh, this is because of my old sins. We usually say that, don't we? Anyway, the apostles were not worried about healing, but looking and being judgmental of that person's sin. It reminds me uh, of an example when on the highway, if you find a car accident on one side, on the opposite side, you find this traffic. Why is there traffic where there's no accident on the opposite side? What's happening? You see this all the time, don't you? It's something within the person, within us. We want to know what's happening on the other side with the accident. So we slow down, then you accumulate more cars at the back. So you have traffic on the other side. <laughs> this is us, we're human. We want to know what happened to the accident. Instead of saying, Ya Arab Buster, my my 
God, you know, we, we, I hope that this, the people are fine and nothing bad happened to them. But we're still human. We're judgmental, just like the people in those days. Sometimes we become blind to the hurting or to the poor or to the rejected. The Pharisees, the scribes, and all those people during this time, like the priests in those times, they were separated from the people. There was no connection. They felt that they were much better than anyone else. The people outside were much less than, than they were. We should separate ourselves from the world, the opposite, from the evil of the world, instead of separating ourselves from the people of the world. Sometimes the people need us to witness to them. And not because we come to church, we're good, no. We're better than people outside, no, it's not true. Sometimes we're worse than the people outside, unfortunately. We feel righteous, and we feel that we're much better than others. Sometimes when we learn at hand and we know things off by heart, or we teach in Sunday school or youth meetings, we feel that we're, we have something special that's better than anyone else, which this is where we lose the plot. We had a nice, um, simple monk in St. Bishwami Monastery. His name was Father Anastasius Samwili. He's from St. Samuel Monastery. And he became blind. He wasn't born blind, but he became blind. So he knows everything else. He knows you've seen before. Now, he was interesting to see because when he used to walk, going towards the church from his cell, You'd see him walking very slowly, and he knows where he's going. But if one of us monks sees him, we usually take him under our arm and take him to church with us, especially when it's like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And he was the, the leader of the deacons or the monks, and he led all the responses and all the tasbihah and everything else. He learned it off by heart, of course. We said that when God takes something, he rewards you with something else, much, much stronger. When he used to pray, I've never seen this before, he would move his head left and right as he is praying. Because he wants to hear and become synchronized with the other monks or the other deacons. So his voice is not different from theirs. So they become uh, harmony together. And then once a year, I, I visited him at his cell, and he offered some hot tea for me. And then I said, how is he going to pour the hot tea in the hot water? He can't see. So I looked at him, and he did something very interesting. He got the glass cup. And he put his finger, the tip of his finger, inside the cup, and he poured the hot water. And just before the hot water came and touched his finger, or he didn't touch his finger, but just before that, he felt that the water is nearly close to his tip of his finger, and he stopped pouring the hot water. That's how he, he did it. It was interesting. Of course, he feeds himself, and he cooks for himself, 
He got used to it. In Egypt, we have a school called the School of St. Didymus to the Blind, for the blind. What does this school do? Those who are blind have no work. There's no career. What are they going to do? Sit at home or beg, like in those days? So the church offered them a beautiful service where they would go to this school and learn all the hymns, all the praises, all the chants of the church off by heart. Well, they can't see. And there was no Braille, so they couldn't read in those days. And they become the head deacon, just like uh, Deacon Methat here, but he can see, thank God. Those were blind, and they would actually lead the church, lead the congregation, lead the people. Until today, you'll find these, they call them alimin in the church. And they're amazing. They, if you speak to them, they'll know who you are, if, you, if, they, know, if they know you, but not if, they, if it's the first time. So, they're so talented. And of course, the sense of hearing is much more better than, than the seeing. So these people are great people. Imagine us who can see, and we can't learn all these al-hanaf by heart. We still have to read and, and, and look at the, the books. So it is a blessing. And I, you know, I encourage the deacons here, if they can learn all these things off by heart, of course. Diakon uh, Methad can teach them all this. There's a nice analogy of the deep sea fish. Many, many miles underground in the sea, these fish don't have eyes because there's no need for eyes. They can't see anything. God did not create any eyes for them. But if you take this fish out into the light, will they see? They won't see anything because they don't have eyes. It reminds me that when we are deep in the sin, in our sin, very deep, sometimes it's very difficult to see the light when we're out. This is why whenever we sin, Abuna quickly says, repent, ask God for forgiveness, come out of the sin. But if you continue in the sin, and you go deeper and deeper and deeper, it's very difficult to come out. So always, especially during these days of repentance, come out quickly so you're able to see the light. Jesus died on the cross for us. He tore down the walls of separation and judgment. And he molded us how to love more, than to be judgmental. So why do we make walls for ourselves and become blind? Jesus replied to the disciple, the, the apostles when they said, did he sin or his parents? He said to them, it's for God's glory. And straight away he did something very interesting. As I said, the man is born, born blind, so he doesn't have eyes. We know that Jesus was from the very beginning with God the Father and the Son in the creation. So Jesus can create. And he, he got some dust, because we're made out of dust. He got some dust on the ground, and he spat on it, and he made mud and put it on his eyes. Now remember the other story 
of the man born blind called Bartimaeus. But he was calling out to, to Jesus. And Jesus said, if you believe, then go. You have your sight. And straight away, he can see. But this man was blind after. So God put mud on his eyes and told him to go and wash them off in the pool of Siloam. Now what is interesting is, this is two miracles in one. Because the second miracle is that it's impossible for the brain of the person from birth, he lacks the ability to process the visual information properly. So it's very difficult for him. It takes many, many years for the brain to understand the things he sees around, the color or images or anything. So that's the second miracle that happened to this man born blind. He automatically saw and understood everything. When God heals us, <clears throat> he doesn't partly heal us, but he heals us completely from our illnesses. When we look at water, we remember purification. When we wash ourselves, we clean ourselves. When we get baptized, we wash ourselves from sins. The early church associated this miracle, this healing with baptism. And it's really interesting in their catacombs where they bury their people. Uh, the art is this miracle because it resembles the baptism. And this is why we call this Sunday what? Baptism Sunday, right? It's because of this miracle of healing with the water. And in the monasteries during this day, we have many, many people bringing their children, being baptized in the monasteries because of this day. The second group of people who can see and are blind are the Pharisees. When they saw this man seeing, they started interrogating him. He's, they said, this man is evil. They know of Jesus, of course. And because he did the miracle on a Sabbath, the Saturday, then he's a sinner. But how? He gave me sight. They said, no. Because what he did, he actually did, he did some work. What did he do? He got some dust off, off, off from the ground and spat in it. That's work. I don't know if you know any Jewish people, but then on the Sabbath, they can't switch the lights on, switch it off. They can't open the oven. They bring neighbors to do it for them. It's to that effect. So he did work. Imagine if we still have this in these days. And you're blind, and he came to Abuna. Abuna, I can see, I can see. I said, wow, wow, what happened? He said, oh, this stranger outside, he just, you know, he prayed for me, and he made me see. Then Abuna says, wow, this man must be, you know, great. He's, he's, he's a miracle worker, he's a saint. And you'd say, yes, of course. Then Abuna asks, what day did he do this miracle for you? And you say, oh, on a Sunday. Then Abuna says, no, he's a sinner because he did this on a Sunday. Not supposed to do anything on a Sunday. Not supposed to work on a Sunday. So it changed because you have to keep Sunday holy. But when we, as the church, say to you, do not work on a Sunday, 
that means that you do not go to work, you, don't, you do not stay at home and relax. No, you come to church and you meet God. But we're not that strict. So that's the second group of people. The third are his neighbors or his friends. Because when they saw him, they said, no, no, it's not him. He looks like him because, of course, when he can see, they actually see his eyes. But the other one, when he's born blind, they can't see anything. But then he says, no, it's me. But they still doubt him. Why? Because they know of Jesus. They hear that this Jesus sits with sinners and with tax collectors. And Jews are not supposed to do that. It's something new. So that's why they didn't believe in, this, in his miracle. And unfortunately, the fourth group of people who can see and were blind are his parents. Why? When the Pharisees asked, asked them, how did he, be, he see again? His parents said, we don't know, although they do know. Ask him, he is of age. Why is this? Because the parents are within the church, within the temple, within the Jewish people. If they believe in Jesus and his miracles, then they're rejected. They go out. You're not part of the Jewish people anymore. You're not part of the temple. So they were afraid. And I can imagine being a parent and not leaving the church. It's very difficult. So this is why they said this. Ask him. He is of age. And of course, this poor man who can see now is defrocked and is rejected from the temple. And Jesus goes and finds and seeks him the second time. Why? Because he knew that he was rejected. And he had pity on him. And he asked him, do you believe in God, in Christ? And he said, yes. And he said, where is he, Lord? And he said, it's he who is speaking. Straight away, he believed and he worshipped God. St. John Chrysostom says, The Jews cast him out of the temple, and the Lord of the temple found him. These are the four groups of people who can see but were blind. Each of these groups represent us somehow. We are blinded by the things in this world and by our reactions. Remember that our eyes are a window to our soul. Not only do we see people with our eyes, but people can also see us with our eyes. This is why our, our eyes are books. When you speak to someone, they always say, speak to him in his eyes, because the eyes will tell you his reaction. When you go to an interview, a job interview, we always say, Look at the person's eyes. Do not look down because they'll know that you're thinking and trying to figure out an answer to their question. No. Be firm and look into the person in his eyes. If you want to annoy someone while he's speaking to you, look at his forehead. He'll get upset from you. <laughs> Don't do it now. <laughs> look in his eyes. The eyes reads. When I was with Pope, late Pope Shenouda, Depending on the situation, if he looks into my eyes, I know what he wants, and straight away I do it, without him telling me anything. Because we, many, many years we were together and we got used to each other. Jesus 
gives us light. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus brought physical and spiritual light into the world. I ask you today to stay shining as beacons of light into the world and be witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.